Hello everyone. Welcome to the new episode of Green Minds Podcast. I am your host Andreas and really happy to have you here again. Today I am very excited to bring you my conversation with my colleague from IFC International Finance Corporation. Her name is Farida Lasida Aji or Ida and she is the East Asia Lead for Green Buildings and Market Transformation. One of Ida's main roles is to help different entities across East Asia region to transform their properties to be a green building. Now let's first talk about some basics here. What is green building? Well, if you go to the US Green Building Council website, US GBC website, you will see there in one of the articles that the generally accepted definition of green building is the planning, design, construction, and operations of buildings with several key considerations, such as energy use, water use, indoor environmental quality, material section, and the building's effects on its site. The green building is also sometimes referred as green construction or sustainable building. Why is green building important in the context of climate change? Well, in climate change mitigation module that all the CCMF students in Imperial took, we learned that buildings are responsible for approximately 30% of final energy demand. Plus, buildings account for around 17% of global emission. So clearly, buildings must be considered when we want to reduce emission towards the net zero path. With regards to green building, there are several major green building standards and certifications. For instance, there is a LEED or Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design Standard issued by USGBC, the US Green Building Council. This LEED has different certification levels from certified silver, gold, to platinum. Other green building standards include BREEAM or Building Research Establishment Environmental Assessment Method in UK, as well as Green Mark in Singapore. In my conversation with my colleague Ida, you will learn about EDGE, E-D-G-E, or Excellence in Design for Greater Efficiency which is a green building standard and certification issued by IFC. Now, some buildings will have their certification displayed out and proud in front of their properties. For instance, it will say, this is an LEED platinum building. Okay then, let's now go to my conversation with Ida, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Ida is the East Asia and Pacific Regional Lead for Green Buildings and Market Transformation for International Finance Corporation or IFC based in Jakarta. Ida, can you tell us about IFC Green Buildings Program, meaning why it was set up, what are the objectives of the program, what is the overall program in IFC and also in the region? Thanks, Andres. Thanks for having me. So. I'll try to answer your questions. Right? So this program was actually initiated around 13 years ago, back in 2010 in Indonesia and also across the, the globe. So as you know, IFC, its main mandate is really to invest in private sector where it is needed the most, including to address climate change challenges, which are many uh, in developing countries, including Indonesia. And to that, we understood that Urbanization is growing exponentially all over and in our cities, right, in our countries. And then it's putting more and more pressure to cities' livabilities, where more buildings needs to be built because, you know, more influx of people coming to the cities, they need housing, they need a workspace. And these buildings, if they're not built carefully, we will be stuck for, you know, how long building lasts, right? 30 years, 40 years, even 50 years, even more. So we'll be stuck with this building for so long 
and they are highly inefficient, right? I mean, they consume a lot of resources, electricity, water, and it will be much more expensive for us to refurbish them, to retrofit them. So, so we would like to address all of these things in a way that, you know, works hand in hand with IFC's mandate, which is investments. So through IFC investment in constructions, in property, and also in banking, in financial institutions, we wanted to help shape the future of building environments in the cities where we operate. And we noted that there were many challenges faced by the different stakeholders as we tried to move away from conventional building that I mentioned earlier to ones that are more sustainable, that are more friendly at the same time, which present opportunity for long-term cost savings through reduced electricity and, and water bills. So, you know, we have a lot of perceptions that it's expensive, it's difficult without really looking at the long-term potential upside, right? Which is saving electricity, water, carbon, you know, all of these good things, right? So initially in this green building programs, IFC came in with its advisory arm because there are so much issues around people perceptions. We wanted to kind of demystify it, you know, and explain to people how they can actually do this, right? We want to introduce the concepts and also the techniques. So, okay. Right. Right. Yeah, let me, I, I want to dig deeper on that advisory, but for the listener, just to give a background, IFC consists of two main products, I would say, right? One is the investment, like you mentioned, in which we give money to the client. And the second part that you mentioned is the advisory in which we provide kind of consultancy, consulting. We advise clients on, on what to do. Now, before going to that advisory thing that you have been doing, Ida, can you also probably briefly talk about how do you uh, define the green buildings? What are the key components? Because you mentioned sustainable, are there any specific factors and things that you look at these green buildings? Right. Yes. And we've been actually very clear on that in defining it. So it's not just you build building and then you add plans. It has to be concrete. It has to be measured. Our approach is very quantified approach. So we've really focused on things that we can measure, which is energy efficiency, meaning we measure the saving in kilowatt hour for the buildings that we assess against their peers. So if we assess hotels in, say, in London, right? So we compare hotels in London to that building that we assess. So we look into energy saving in kilowatt hour because then that translates into carbon savings, right? GHG saving. And then we also look into water saving in in terms of like liter, metric liters. And then we also look into the embodied energy in the materials, like how much energy is used or burned to actually have that bricks or glass. So we, we calculate that. So we only look into these three things because these are the things that's measurable. In other green buildings approach, they also take into account the thermal comfort, for example. But we don't include that because it's a bit difficult for us to, you know. What is that? To, thermal comfort? It's like in the room, what is the comfortable thermal, like heat. centigrade heat or, you know. Yeah, heat. Yeah, yeah. That people can operate if it's an office, if it's, a, you know, a house or something like that. And then the other bits that we don't actually look at and some others do is the waste management. And it's actually a very good thing, which we would like to include, but it's hard because with our approach, we roll it out in many countries, developing countries in Africa, Asia, Latin America, and also the Western countries, of course, right? The developed ones. But we want to come up with a tool that can be used. I mean, it's specific to the locations. It's customized, you know, cl climatically and technicality is right? And the cost is attuned to that particular locations, but in a way that that people can use it. So it's, it's, it's a, we have a tool called Edge, right? And it's free 
for everybody. Anybody just can sign up. It's available in edgebuildings.com. Once you're there, anybody can input their building data, location, and then simulate compared to other buildings in that location, how do they perform, right? So to be able to come up with this kind of tools, a lot of things needs to be simplified, unfortunately, right? So that's yeah, why in, in, in IFC, in Edge, we only focus in energy efficiency, water efficiency, and embodied energy. But we're very... In material. In embodied material. energy in material. Okay. Correct. Okay. Right, right, right. So just to yeah. recap quickly to make sure I understand. So there are three factors that IFC is looking at green building, the energy efficiency, water, and then embodied energy in material. And I guess material, we are talking about the bricks, the roof, the glass, for instance. The glasses. Yeah? The glasses. Okay. Yeah. And then you mentioned going back to the advisory service that you provide, right? Now that we have the framework of what you are looking at in terms of the green building. So what kind of advisory service that you provide to clients in this regard, for instance, Ida? Right. So we've actually gone through cycles, if you like, because we've been in this space for 13 years now. So when we first came in, not just Indonesia, but also in other countries, Vietnam, Philippines, African countries, and Latin America, we actually did come through the regulatory entry point. By that, I mean, we work with governments, both at the local levels and national levels, to come up with instruments that will nudge or push people to be more uh, aware of the benefits of the green building. So for example, in Indonesia, with the Ministry of Public Works and Housing, we help them to analyze, prioritize, and come up with the green building roadmap, as well as the green building national guidelines. And then with cities, uh, pilot cities at that time, Jakarta, the biggest in the country, we helped them to draft their green building codes, which was issued or launched in 2012 and 13 being implemented, right? So first we came with that kind of sort of angle. We want to do kind of a broad stroke, high level interventions in the beginning, right? And then in 2015, we launched Edge as a certification system globally, including in Indonesia. So this is where the certification comes in. So as part of the advisory, we, we provided trainings, information sessions, workshops for potential clients, being developers and owners or investors of building. What, you know, what can they do to make their design even retrofit their buildings using Edge as a tool, right? So that's kind of the other advisory bit that we did. And then in the, and then after that, we also came through IFC clients, bankings, and also developers where we provide in-depth trainings so that they can understand better or with banks, how they can develop green financing products as new products, right? With developers is really how they can green their their assets, right? And then the other bits that I would like also to share with you in terms of advisory is that, and it's still happening since 2018, we've also partnered with universities across the, the globe. In Indonesia, we now have 20 universities and these are top-notch universities in the country, whereby we did a training of trainers for the lecturers, and then the lecturers teach the students in a formal model. So it's six months semester course, not just like one or two days workshops. It's actually embedded in their curriculum for architecture students. So the students will then understand the green concepts and how to design and Similarly, they also use the, the same tool, Edge. So the Edge tool is very versatile. It can be used as a, a education tool, but it can also be used as a certification tools, right? And then I just want to highlight more a little bit just on the yes. um, uh, and the work with the universities. It's a, it's a long-term scheme for us because we 
started to do this in 2018. And then last year, 2022, I went back to some universities, meet with the students, with students who already took them, the, the course, right? And who have already graduated and gone into labor force. And they share with me that they use the tools in their daily life of work. And then because they're kind of relatively new people who understand this, they're being the kind of the fine persons in their companies. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of becoming green consultants for their, you know, <laughs> their companies. I think this is, this is very great because we want to have more and more. To date, we have like about 800 students whom, mm. you know, taken the course across Indonesia. We want to have more so that in the future, kind of green concepts, green design is no longer uh, exceptions, but it's becoming the rules, right? It's become a nature for them when they design, it's yeah. just green. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it was a credit course that they get yes. the mark ABC. Oh, okay. okay. Right. And there's even that. like final, final yeah. task. Project X, yeah. right? They call it studio in Indonesia. It has to embed it. So they're, you know, they come up with the design and the design has to have like aesthetic values and other things that they do in architecture, but it also has to be, you know, green. Yeah. Using edges. Very interesting. Tool. Very interesting. That's the education part is very interesting. As you know, you know, this podcast is run by the students of climate change management and finance at Imperial College Business School London. And I remember when I had chat with some of my friends, some of the co-hosts of this podcast, some of them mentioned that the reason why they were interested or they are interested in the sustainability, green climate is that when they were in elementary school, when they were in middle school, they had course about climate change, about environmental, and that kind of piqued their interest, actually. Right. Up to now, they are pursuing this, this path in the sustainability. So, you know, I, I was... Very excited, you know, to hear that it's also part of our education. I mean, it's not everywhere, but I think it's a right. smart and the right methodology to try to also educate many of the students who later on become a decision maker, actually. Yeah, absolutely. So now we have about 50 universities globally partnered with us, 20 in Indonesia alone. I think if I can say thank you to our donors, it's really, you know, and the Seiko, uh, Swiss government, and the UK government also have been very significant in making us, you know, in making this happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Again, so I think it's very interesting. You mentioned a different range of the advisory, right? You talk about working with the government, local government, municipality government to set up this green building code, which I think helps the industry. You are also working with the clients, obviously, right, to help them achieve the green building, but also with the bank on the green finance. And just to note on that for the listener, because I remember in 2018, it was right. me, I was involved in a transaction with OCBC and ISP bank at that time for them to raise their green bond. And one of them is the criteria is that this green bond can be used also for the green buildings actually. Right. And I think we also helped them to kind of define the parameters of the green building, also the structuring of this green bonds or green finance itself. Yes. So you mentioned about EDGE, right. which I think stands for Excellence in Design for Greater Efficiencies, correct? The EDGE, yeah. Correct. And I believe it's one of the green buildings code or, or standard because there are many green building standards in the world, yeah? Yes, you're right. So EDGE is relatively new. It was launched in 2015. Before that, there is from the U.S. Green Building Council, they have LEED. Sure, you're probably more familiar with that. And then BRIAM, I think, from the U.K. And then Indonesia itself, it has Green Ship. Singapore has Green Mark. Australia has Green Star. And there's BEAM. So different countries, different one. Lotus in Vietnam. And then Berde in Philippines. So... I guess in essence that it's all trying to do the same thing. It's just different approach. But I'm happy to say, or maybe I'm proud to say that <laughs> Edge is the one that I think is very clear in the mm -hmm. in the approach. I mean the others also say that they're clear, right? But I think <laughs> in terms of being quantitative and, and measured and uh, you know, you can 
see the, the, the not just the uh, the benefits in terms of savings, either it's in kilowatt hour terms or metric liter, but also in electricity saving in dollars or in rupiah in Indonesia, in the bills, right? But it also translates into the carbon, the GSG calculations is mm. there. And also even the, in terms of the cost, the incremental cost, how much is it required in that particular market to say, you know, change the glass or change the heating system or the cooling system? What is the incremental investment that has to be done? And then what is the payback period? It's all presented and calculated in, you know, in the IFC's edge system. Oh, that's interesting. So Edge, if I understand it correctly, is kind of a comprehensive tool in which it has information of the three components that you mentioned, energy, water, material, and what are kind of the standard. And they can also do their own calculations to achieve the saving, not just in terms of the metric that you mentioned, the liter, but also the cost saving. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So we had, and behind it, there's a lot of data gathering. And we continuously updated that as well because we want to know like how much is a chiller in Indonesia, in Jakarta, and how much is that in different cities in Indonesia, right? And how much is that in Philippines, in Africa? So we we do regularly, we update this cost data as we call it. Yeah, and also availability of technology changes from time to time, right? Remember... 10 years ago, when we started this LED light, it's still kind of a luxurious item seen in Jakarta even. (laughs) (laughs) People still use the kind of old fluorescent light, right? But right now, if you go to supermarket, I don't think they sell anything but LED lights, right? So with that, the cost data behind the system is also to be updated and we're constantly doing. And the other aspect of... Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Just, I just want to add the other aspect of that being IFC products or systems, right? We also recognize by what you call it, bodies or entities that verify sustainability for green financing, like CDB. There's another one, BSB, for example, right? So we, we, we already being recognized by them. And even with GRESB, we have a kind of an interface whereby data from Edge can be automatically inputted into their system. So there's no need to dual inputting, for example. And this helps people who their motivations in certify their property or assets is to secure financing, green financing, right? Maybe the banks requires them or they want to go. Public, for example, and sustainability is one of their, I guess, value that they mm-hmm. want to put forward. Okay, that makes sense. And so on this edge, the EDGE, does it mean that IFC actually conducts the review of the building and issue the certification in this case? Right. So IFC created the tools and the systems, and we also come up with a very heavy user guide. And we maintain it, the system. We have a huge team who, you know, do the codes and and whatnot, right? The box and all that. But in terms of certifications in country by country on the ground, we were actually partner with certifiers. So we have global partners, people like the Green Business Incorporations, GBC, Green Business Certification Incorporations, GBCI, that is part of the U.S. Green Building Councils, or people like SGS Intali, that's Global Partner. And in Indonesia, we partners with Indonesia's Green Building Council. So they are the one who accept applications for certification. They're the one who receive the fees, and they're the one who conducted verifications you know, go through the documents checking and all that, because we think that if it's IFC, we're not in the business of, you know, doing that, but we're in the business of helping, creating standards, 
maintaining it and all that, but not so much in kind of, you know, the actual delivery. And we want to cover more and more countries. So the feasible way is to partner with people. Yeah, I think it helps the scaling up, right? Because then you set up the standards and other party will do the certification. And I feel that there is also an element of independence, right? Because if you create the standard, then at least somebody else will actually will be the one who are doing the checking and certifying. Yes, this meets into certain standard, right? True, true. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, so in a way, I just, yeah, just like the accounting, right? So the GAP or IFRS have up the standard, but the EY of the word, the PWC, will be the third-party certifier that provides the certification. Right. For those who just joined, right. currently talking with Ida, the East Asia and Pacific Regional Lead for Green Buildings and Market transformation, I think would be useful and would be very interesting for the listeners if you probably can provide an example of the work that you have done either in Indonesia, specific example of the green building certification or green building work that you are doing either in Indonesia or in other countries. Sure, sure. We now have about 120 projects certified edge in Indonesia that covers more than 2 million square meters. Globally, we are present in more than 85 countries with a total of more than 50 million square meters of built area. So this is not planned, but this is the built area, right? And, and it's growing. So we have a lot of projects in Indonesia, like hotels, like Shangri-La, but we also have affordable houses, like even if... I don't know, the English-speaking audience knows that Rusunawa, that is government housing projects, right? <laughs> Even certified by EDGE. We have government-owned hospitals. We have a lot of university campuses because we partners on the, you know, university program. So they also certified their campuses with us. And we have even airports in the Philippines. Clark Airport is edge certified. We have in Indonesia, we have the national flagships MOS, which is Istiklal, already certified with edge. So we have a range of buildings. We have warehouses, we have logistic chains, facilities, uh, offices, of course, retail malls, lots of them, hotels. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting how, you know, we get more and more, but for Indonesia, one of the highlights that we have last year, towards the end of the year, really, is to have Indonesia's first edge zero carbon building. This is Ecolog service apartment in Chikarang, just outside Jakarta in the industrial area. So the building, how did they achieve it? So the building was first of all designed green, right? And then it's been in operations for a few years now. Um, they were able to push their energy saving down to 82% compared to other service apartment hotels in, 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 you know, in Jakarta, greater area. So 82% of energy saving and the remaining to get into the zero carbon, right? Because it has to be zero carbon. The remaining 18% with edge certifications it is possible to do that, to obtain it through the carbon market. So through in this the offset, case, right? through the offset, right. So in this case, the uh, the building, the Ecoloft, they purchase it in the offset market. And then they can also do it by buying renewable, renewable energy certificates, which is present already in Indonesia. The state electricity company, PLN, already introduced RECs. And the cost to do this carbon offset is actually very, very affordable right now. And in the Philippines and neighboring countries, we have about 12 zero carbon buildings right now. Very proud of that. So there's this one group <laughs> called NEO. They're very keen in, you know, I think that the, the vision is really to be the leader in the sustainability. And they, you know, they actualize that commitment. So they acquired edge zero carbon buildings for their offices. Um, 
Oh, interesting. I think you mentioned so the clients that you have had is very broad, right? You talk about the universities, but also affordable house, retail, airport. Very fascinating. And then you mentioned about the zero carbon building. And the good thing is that we also learned in our course about this net zero in which you're right. Many of the strategies that we look, they need to reduce significantly. And many of them, if not all of them, cannot achieve 100%, right? So the remaining needs to be done through the carbon offset. So just to be clear, so the edge certification, you have zero carbon certification, but you also have other non-zero carbon certification. Correct. So we have three levels. One is the kind of standard, we call it. It requires minimum of 20% energy saving. That's it, just Mm -hmm. 20%. And then there is one level up is the advanced which requires 40% energy saving. And then after that, the zero carbon. And then we'll be with the clients, you know, handhold them in the process. So we can set up a roadmap, you know, to get there. Maybe, you know, we can do some assessment simulations. Maybe they need to install solar panel, for example, Mm -hmm. that helps, you know, really bring us down. In this case, the Ecoloft, they, you know, they have that. And other measure, maybe they need to have, you know, in, have more glaze into their windows, things like that, right? Okay. So you have three levels, the 20% saving, 40% saving, and zero carbon. And I would imagine that as of now, at least the majority of the buildings that have been edge certified is in the either 20 or 40%, yeah, Daya? Yes, correct. And we are pushing more and more towards 40% at once. And we're seeing that actually. But the other thing that I also mentioned is that edge standard itself is not static. So we continuously uh-huh. increase the bar over years. So there is edge version one and then version two, and we're now at version three and we're in cooking version four. So with the increase, we're also increasing the bar by that. An example is that going back to the LED lighting, right? So in version one, Having an LED, you get score, you know, you can, you know, that counts toward saving, but more and more we're asking, you know, more because it's becoming the norm. So, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's it's some part is not anymore. So we constantly uh, pushing, you know, the bar higher in terms of technical standards, right? Yeah. What made so now focusing on this Ecolof, right? The first, I think you mentioned this was the first zero carbon building in, in Indonesia. What was by the edge, motivation? Yeah. What, by edge, yeah. What was the motivation? Right. What triggered them to pursue this high certification, the zero carbon? Right. So the investors is a group called Asia Green Real Estate. By the name is also Green Real Estate, right? So they have properties <laughs> across the Asia, Indonesia and China and others, right? And then, their vision is really to be green and they're, they are one of our edge champions. So we have also a group of, you know, clients we call edge champions. The requirement is that they have to commit that 80% of their, all of their properties have to be edge certified. So Asia Green Real Estate is really motivated by their, you know, their visions. And I guess it's links to their, the invest, investors that they the aim, right? And the values that they have. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's interesting. So I think it's a lot of it driven by the investors in this case. And right. I think that makes sense. As, as I'm sure you are aware, we have some clients in Indonesia, the retail, affordable house. I think many of them were able to achieve the edge or some progress because really the owner or the investor or shareholders really push it through, right? I think that's the key success factor so far. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I agree. Yes. So it's the, behind the motivations, it, it varies. Finance is one. And then we also, you mentioned retails. We have a retail clients who registered and in the certification process of, I think, 16 malls across Indonesia. And their motivation is that they want to go public in, in a few years. Ah. And they want, they, so they have a kind of a sustainable roadmaps, right? They, you know, they yeah. go public as green. So that's also another motivation. And the others is probably towards kind of government push, 
instruments, right? Mm-hmm. So there is this in Indonesia, there is, what's the terms? I guess it's kind of rating issued by the Ministry of Environment called PROPER for manufacturing companies. So they got points. If, if they have green buildings, then it gets more points. Uh, there's also motivations because they have to comply. And then I think more and more globally, not just in Indonesia, is that the banking regulators are pushing for it because they're pushing the bank to have more and more green assets uh, as part of their credits, right? And then this kind of translates to then the, uh, the people who borrow money from the bank. The bank is requiring that the money is being funded for green constructions or green mortgage. So there is a, a mix of that, either the visions or the financing or a kind of push from the government's regulatory side of things. Mm-hmm. In some countries, we also see that there is um, incentives by the government and the government is motivated by wanting to meet their either 2050, 2060, whatever, 2045, whatever year, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, the uh, NDC, uh, right? The exactly. carbon target, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. But you see that that's a pretty encouraging actually. So you see many more regulatory frame regulatory framework being pushed by the governments in the region so far? Yeah, I think so. It's it's it comes in different forms. And also enforcement is another story. It's a different form as well. <laughs> Some are stricter than the others. And yeah, like the Jakarta, they issued the governor decree on green buildings so right so there are different measures and also in philippines we're seeing that in vietnam yeah it's good to see that okay so both kind of push and also pull from the market yes. right? yeah 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 like you mentioned right the pull from the market they want to do ipo because we also have learned we have also seen a growing interest from the investors on the sustainability topic so If a company goes public and then they can say, hey, we have green buildings, we have green program. I think that makes it more attractive also for them, actually. Right. Right. So far in terms of approaching or helping the clients in in meeting edge or green building, what were the challenges that you have seen so far? Is it more on the hard aspect of it, meaning the building design, how to change that, or more on the soft aspect, meaning the client's willingness to go through extra miles, for instance. Can you share some of the challenges that you have experienced? Yes, I think it's really more on the soft ones. You know, typical challenges is really moving away from perceptions that it is difficult to achieve, it is costly, and there's not much demand eventually from the tenants or the buyers, right? Or the guests if it's hotels. So really, I guess, convincing the decision makers that uh, it is actually, you know, we have a tool that can help you prioritize, that can help you assess what is the benefits, again, the cost, and then the technicalities really can come in later. So it's really that. And also, I think the challenge is in some developing countries is the availability of experts and, you know, people who understand it, right? So that's why our work in the, in, with universities, because we want to bring them in, into the countries, people who can help, you know, design, you know, because it's, if it's at the design stage that you want to be green, it is much, much, I guess, more feasible, right? The earlier, the better, because if it's already constructed, it's like, it costs so much more to retrofit, right? So yeah. we're seeing, this is really the challenges, convincing the owners, the decision makers, the, you know. Yeah, 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 for sure. But so you're saying that technically it's actually not difficult. So can you provide some specific, specific example in terms of energy saving, water saving, and material, what can clients do, for instance, that? Right. Yeah. It, it, of course, it varies, right? Like if simple building, affordable housing, the dimensions, right? It's, it's very straightforward and taller building, more complex buildings, right? But if it's in a design stage, just by changing the building orientations, 
like we live in Indonesia, right? Tropical countries right on the equator. If the building is positions such that it the 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 open or the walls or the windows or the windows is not facing west, then there is much less heat coming from the west, right? Because that's when the you know the sun the sun the afternoon, coming right? in in the afternoon, yeah. right? So that means there is much less need for cooling, and mm. that means much less need for air conditions, for example. So just by changing the orientations, it would help a lot already. And or putting some like shading, if it's if there's if your land is has to you know have to face west, then what do you do? Just maybe add some shading. If sorry for the audience who's not very familiar with Jakarta, but if you the South Quarter buildings, right? It's also already at certified. You see that outside is really encapsulated by shading, which is very neat. It looks mm. like you know. As well, so aesthetically, it's also neat. Yeah, so that that also can reduce the uh, the heat coming into the building. But a different story if it's London and UK, right? So the the issue there is <laughs> yeah. more heating. So how do we make you know more heating efficiency? So it really depends. But those are some examples. And then in the case of water, by installing kind of more slower faucets. In the case of Istiqlal Mosque, for example, because Muslims, when we pray, we need to take ablutions, the wudu, right? And it takes yeah. a lot of money. So not, not water, sorry. So the things that we change there is making the water more efficiently flow. And then also it doesn't flow very fast. So just kind of making it, you know, changing the faucet is one way. And then also... Making use of the water, the mm -hmm. but within what's possible, right? Because yeah, it's in a mosque setting, so it cannot be used for you know ablution water again, but it can be used for like planting, you know, watering the the the, the grass, things like that. So what is possible? Uh -huh. And also, how do we harvest water? We have a lot of rains here in in Indonesia, so how do we harvest that? So those are some of the measures that can be done. Changing the glass also, depending on where we are, if it's subtropic or tropic, then different different measures. Yeah. Even I think if I remember it correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, even just to make sure that when you install the closet, the, closet, the toilet, right. and then you have the two buttons of the flusher, right? The small. Yeah. So you can, you can actually select which one that you would need to use. And I think it saves water also, right? Yeah. That's also actually one of Edge's criteria that you have a dual flush <laughs> yeah. right install yeah yeah okay. <laughs> very good. that's very interesting how about in terms of retrofit Ida so for the existing buildings and obviously we know it's going to be more difficult more costly but right. do you also do a lot of work on the retrofit or as of now you're focusing more on the new building and if you do on the retrofit what are the challenges in that in that aspect. Right. When we first kind of launched Edge, we focused a lot on new building because it was the, uh, a bit, yeah, it's more, more, more obvious, right? Easier yeah. to sell, right? And then also, as I mentioned earlier, we have a new build, we have new buildings coming in a lot more. So we want to make sure that when they're built, they're built green, right? But now more and more also, we, um, we work with existing building as we, you know, as, as they call it, and then that profit is needed, right? So, yeah, so we, we will sit down with our clients, do some simulations, how they can, you know, change their air conditioning system, for example. And my colleagues from IFC Investments is also, you know, has been in various many discussions with people who can potentially offer financing ways for that, right? Maybe like with energy services companies, for example, right? Or with, you know, pay as a service, for example, so, but because it requires a lot of upfront incremental costs, so how they can actually finance it better, right? Okay. Yeah. 
So I think that's a good model, right? In which, you know, IFC can come in with the advisory service system of green building for retrofit or new building, but also right. comes with the investment money, right? To help these companies to actually implement the measures to achieve the green buildings, right? Yeah. Right. Right, right. Yeah, we try to come in with different angles. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> no, to talk about, you mentioned, because I think this is very interesting, you mentioned about the Istiklal Mosque's Edge certification last year, right? And for, just to give context for our listener, the Masjid Istiklal or Istiklal Mosque is the largest mosque in Indonesia and even in Southeast Asia. It has a capacity of, I think, 200,000 people that come in and can come and pray. And I just Googled that. I think it's the sixth or seven largest mosque in the world, right? And I think it makes sense, you know, Indonesia being the largest Muslim populated country in the world. So can you tell us a little bit about that project, Ida? How did it come about? What what actually made that project happen? Right, right. Yeah, so it is the, one of the biggest mosques, right? And I think it's the, the biggest in the region in like, East Asia, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so how did we get into that was the Ministry of Public Work and Housing, they were renovating the mosque. It's been around for many years, I think since the 70s or 80s, right? When it 70s, was first yeah. 70s, right? Yeah. So oh, it was up for renovations, right? The the mosque itself is 109 square meters, so it's it's huge, right, for a mosque, right? 109,000, you mean? 109,000 square meters. Square meters, okay. Right, yeah, the area. And when, as they renovated, and because we, you know, the Ministry of Public Works, they, we've been working with them on green buildings, and they also have their initiative on green buildings, right? So... The thinking, right, why don't we also try and make it sustainable and environmentally friendly, right, as they do that. So look into that and then happy to say that the government is willing to, you know, to finance it, to pay for renovation and greening it, installing solar panels and then like smart measures like sensors and stuff. And then also overhaul of the water faucet, as I mentioned earlier, right? So, and then all the, uh, all the lights are changed to LED, of course. And then they changed their air conditioning system, making it more efficient. All of that leads to 23% energy saving. And then in terms of water, it's 36% of water compared to, you know, before and then the solar panel today I think contributes to 13% of the electricity consumption and I think they they have plans to over time increase more add more solar panels they still have some spaces for that and I think they are trying to do crowdfunding for the solar Mm. panel you know (laughs) people can donate to the mosque and then the uh, money then we used to buy more solar panel, which I think is good, right? It <laughs> um, is, it is, yeah. <laughs> right. How long did it take? How long did the project take for this mosque to achieve the changes there? Right. A, a few years, two years at, uh, at you know, at uh, in the end. Okay. Right. And is it the first religious building that IFC has? Or the Edge has? Or yeah. Or there are other? I think so. Globally, it is the first one, even though in Indonesia, we also have another mosque, but that mosque is part of the university complex. There is UEE University Islam Indonesia. It has a library, but this one is actually in Depok. This is a new one oh, uh, in okay. West Java. The triple I. <laughs> so it's kind of a mouthful <laughs> name. Uh, so... They have the uh, library and they have the uh, teaching facility, but they also green their, their mosque, right? Oh, and it has been certified edge? This yes, yes. Oh, I see, I see. Got it, got it. Okay. One last question. 
Ida, what can people on individuals actually do to contribute to this green building? What do you think? Right. I think um, depending on where you are and, you know, what you do, like if you, if you're a homeowner and then if your house is maybe landed homes with, because with apartment is a bit difficult, right? To install yeah. solar panel. But if you're living in a house and you have the budget for it, why don't you go for, you know, solar panel? I've installed one in my homes also. <laughs> of course, I have to walk the talk, right? And I've actually got to a full blown. I install it. I mean, it costs a bit, but, you know, the benefits is actually showing. I was able, I'm able, sorry, not I'm able to actually save even more than 50% of what I pay for electricity bill. And then working from home a lot during this pandemic, air conditions tended to, you know, you know how it is in <laughs> Jakarta, right? It's a, yeah. I open the window in the morning, but still when it gets to, you know, <laughs> afternoon, it gets very humid and hot. So, right. So I think that's the, that's the basic thing that individual can, can do. Try and look for other options. Change your lighting into LED bulbs if it hasn't already, right? And then just kind of, if you're building a home, so not yet constructed, try and look into things that you can do. If it's in the, like in my part of the world, maybe just situated it so that it, you know, it faces away from the, the sun that has a lot and then have a lot of opening for your you know, window and air so that minimize the need for air conditioning, things like that. And also in the water, with water, dual flood, have that in your homes. And um, low faucets, even though it's not really satisfying, right? So, but I, I showered in a very, you know, low, <laughs> low, what you call it, low flow. And <laughs> but But that's the way to conserve. And then also have... What you call it? Yeah. I have that in my place a lot, actually, in the okay. backyard, in the front yard. Basically, try to harvest rainwater. If where you live, mm. you, you got a lot of rains, right? Mm. Harvest from the roof, you know, come up with the, what you call it? Sumurasapan, I think. Yeah, it's a catchment area in which you try to catch the yeah. rainwater so you the can rainwater. reuse that, right? Yeah. Right. Right, or just kind of put it back instead of going into the sewerage, right? At least it's, it stays in in your ground. Get contact technicians, how to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. that. That <laughs> makes sense, that makes sense. I think so, because we also learned in our class called Mitigating Climate Change, that I'm sure you know that also that buildings overall, I think, account for 30% globally of the energy use, right? So True. if each one of us can make a difference in that, I think it's a huge, huge impact to the sustainability and obviously to the climate change issue also, right? Indeed, indeed, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Ida, for your time. Really interesting and really appreciate the sharing and the learning. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Ida. Thank you. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks again for listening. As you have heard from Ida, there are actually some things that we can personally do to improve our properties to make them greener. So I hope this can be a source of inspiration. By the way, this outro background music that you are listening now, it is composed and performed by my classmate and friend Kirk. So special thanks and appreciation to Kirk. Alright then, as always, May your coming days be filled with interesting stories and opportunities. Until then, please do take care.